Welcome to episode 45 of the Archerpreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and I am pumped up for today's episode because it is awesome. And I know all of you little boys and all you little girls want to hear all about the speakeasy briefs that Dan and Jeff my guests today have created, uh, they raised $30,000 on Kickstarter to make these, and it is the pair of underwear I have been missing my whole life. It's got a pocket in the crotch. You can sneak stuff in anywhere you want to go or keep things safe like your passport or money or something that you don't want other people finding. Like all them personal things that you keep hidden from everybody else in the world. Yeah, so hold on tight because this episode is badass. And a skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com forward slash 45. Here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity stinkity rinkity dinkity beat. Yeah. Well, here we go now. to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad selves, yeah. I hope you are ready to get stickity stinkity rinkity dinkity funky with our guest today, revolutionizing the underwear world and adding assured preparation to any occasion, giving us all one hell of a reason to play peekaboo with our boxer briefs, the founders and creators of the Speakeasy Briefs, Dan Goldman and Jeff Schneider. Dan, Jeff, you are the entrepreneurs now. What is going on? Oh, uh, you know, just uh, plug it away here, Heath. How you doing? <laughs> just extremely pumped. Yeah, pumped to be on the show. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely excited to have you all on. Uh, I truly am infatuated with your product. <laughs> I think that it's something I'm going to use every day, and I can't wait to dive into it and do some fist pumping. Got to do it. Got to do it. If fist pumping is wrong, we don't want to be right. Yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> fist pumping is never wrong, first of all. And second of all, uh, Dan came to me through recommendation of Greg Baston, who was actually episode 14, and you can go back and check him out. He's a poker player, and he created those amazing tees that I love so much that also make me just fist pump. And now I've got Dan and Jeff on uh, that have created these amazing pair of boxers that you can hide some goodies in. So uh, how, how did you two meet? Yeah, so Jeff and I uh, actually went to uh, USC undergraduate together and uh, we're roommates. And now uh, Greg and I happen to be roommates uh, as I'm getting my uh, MBA at USC while also working on speakeasy briefs. So it's, uh, it's been great. It's been, you know, there's a real entrepreneurial energy here. We're both trying to do similar things with scaling products. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. Woo, yeah, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are killing it out there in California on the West coast, best coast. Uh, I am truly 
jealous that you get to participate in all the amazing outdoor events out there. And I used to live in San Diego for a bit. Love San Diego. Yeah, it's it's super nice. And (laughs) now I am stuck back here in this miserable, dreadful state of Kentucky. Uh, But we'll be coming out there soon for a wedding. My buddy's getting married. And I cannot wait to see that amazing coastline again. Even though I'll probably be face down, pants down in the bushes somewhere by the time I get through that wedding. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but seriously, you guys have created this amazing product called the Speakeasy Briefs where you can essentially like stash a bunch of goodies in your boxer briefs. I mean, there's like a zipper down there and everything. And I can't even explain to you how many times that I probably could have used this product. So it's got to feel pretty cool to have made it. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. You know, we wanted to create a product that uh, that we wanted, first of all. Uh, Jeff and I have been really good friends for a long time. We have always been interested in entrepreneurship and wanted to start a business together. So we were kind of talking about, uh, you know, what would be a cool product that we would want that doesn't really exist at and uh, and we put our heads together, and uh, after uh, after going to these music festivals, which Jeff and I like to go to a lot, we came up with Speakeasy Bruce, and it's been a it's been a really fun ride. So so did you guys like just go to a festival one time and be like, "Damn it, where am I going to put this flask?" Like, and just shove it down your pants and be like, "Damn, I wish they had some boxers that you can just shove a flask." you know, down there and it would hold it perfectly because I know a lot of people are solving their own problem uh, when they come up with the product and it ends up being so popular among people like their peers and their friends and their family or things like that. So, so was this something that you all actually wanted to have and that's why you went out there and made it? Yes. I think you pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head there. We were, we were really, um, I think scratching, scratching our own itch when we came up with the product, um, you know, going into these festivals where you're, you're kind of relegated to, um, beer garden uh, purgatory. And so you, you end up you know, missing the show you paid all this money to go see because you're uh, waiting in the beer line and then kind of forced to stay in this little pen while you have a drink. And you know, meanwhile, um, you know, every, you know, all the music's going on. So we thought there had to be a better way than, than dealing with all that. So that's really kind of where the idea came from. And then since then, um, you know, us and our friends and our customers have come up with a lot of different ways to use the product. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Every single situation I've been in where I'm trying to sneak booze into a place usually either ends up with us getting in or, you know, somebody just reaming their fingers up my butt looking for something. And we had this funny situation. We went down to Asheville, North Carolina, and I was with my girlfriend, Lindsay, and I think we were going to see Nine Inch Nails. And, you know, she put it down in her pants and we had these ridiculous Halloween costumes on. You know, I was dressed up like Ace Ventura where he's wearing like a tutu and he's got his hair all up. And uh, we get in the line. And of course, you know, this woman that is going to pat her down just happens to be like the biggest, baddest lesbian that there is. And she just starts like groping her down there and finds it and just pulls it out immediately. So then he was getting a little handsy. Yeah, a little handsy. absolutely. A little handsy. <laughs> So then we, you know, we had to go around the side there. She didn't take it. We, we took it back from her and we went and chugged it on the side of the building. But I mean, that's something that we could have had on that would have solved our problem 100%. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I mean, we, we've we seen some crazy, we've heard some crazy stories and seen some crazy contraptions of what people were doing to uh, 
to bring their flasks into concerts before the underwear. Uh, people were talking about like compression shorts and taping it to their legs and like all sorts of crazy stuff. And it just, uh, you know, we're very pro pocket and it seems like a pretty simple solution. So it's been, uh, it's been a real fun ride. It's been, it's been a pretty effective product so far. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that this is something that you could use, not just for concerts. Are there any other scenarios mm-hmm. that you guys kind of promote this product for in particular? Sure. Yeah. No, yeah. Actually also been really helpful is traveling. Uh, Travel belts are just absolute nightmares. It's impossible to look cool with a travel belt on. Uh, I have tried and failed. And uh, if you're trying to protect yourself from pickpocketers, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice alternative there as well. Yeah. But what if the pickpocketer is going for the you know the front there too without you looking and maybe they're trying to give you a fresh squeeze. <laughs> I guess that would depend on the big body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean out here in Kentucky, man, you really got to watch out. You know, you just never know around here, boys. But <laughs> moving on, so like when you guys created this product, what was kind of the process that you went through to take it? from this amazing idea of, hey, you know, we're going to solve this problem that we're having to actually bringing it to the market. Can you kind of walk us through that? Absolutely. Jeff, you want to, uh, yeah. you want to start out? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we, we kind of conceptualized the product just, um, you know, talking about it. And, you know, after going to a few music festivals and concerts, we kind of came up with the idea. So the next step was coming up with an actual prototype to see if, um, see if it would, it would work in reality. And so we, basically went to the store and, and checked out all the different types of boxer briefs that um, were out of the market and picked out a few that we we liked and thought would work and basically went to a tailor and explained the idea, which was, you know, pretty funny in, in of itself. People whose, you know, first language isn't English and they're trying to figure out what we're talking about and wondering why the hell we want to put a zipper in our underwear. And, and so we, we had a handful of prototypes made at, at um, tailors here in San Francisco. And then, um, you know, you know, basically got some prototypes and started showing them to our friends, started using them ourselves, actually you know, using the product to go into concerts. And, you know, we, we realized that, um, you know, this little piece needed to be changed here or this little, you know, part there. So it was kind of a, a great iterative process for us trying to figure out exactly what we wanted the product to look like and, and actually validating that it would work. And so that was, that was really the initial piece is just, you know, hey, we have this idea, is it possible? And, and once we figured out Yes, it is possible. Kind of the next step is how do we want to, you know, bring it to life from a business perspective? And that's when we um, decided to go with crowdfunding as the idea to go from, you know, concept prototype to um, mass producing something or at least producing it on a scale that that works from a business perspective. And so we we thought crowdfunding was the way to go for a, for a couple different reasons. Um, I think initially people think crowdfunding and <clears throat> websites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo are great to raise money. And while that's true, it, you know, it certainly can be helpful to get that initial capital to, to make the product. I think what we took away was it, it's more important, arguably, the, the validation, market validation, and also just acquiring um, your early adopters and first customers. So, um, yes, you're, you know, you're able to pre-order uh, or pre-sell a product before it exists. But more importantly, you know, with, with minimal work, you're able to... Um, really get a, a yes or no answer. Will people at the end of the day see your product and then pull out their credit card and, and punch punch the numbers into the computer to actually buy it? Or, you know, hey, uh, this this isn't really going to work. Let's uh, punt and huddle back and, and try again. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, just to piggyback on top of that, I think 
I think what it really comes down to is Jeff and I spent a lot of time preparing for our crowdfunding. So there was a time investment there, but really our initial costs were only prototyping and field testing our design and just getting that ready to go. Then we launched our Kickstarter campaign and we got all of our market validation and the capital to make our initial order just by going through the Kickstarter process. So while before, even if we had field tested it, we'd have to invest in this big inventory run, uh, you know, and then and then hope that we had done enough to market test our product. We actually fully market tested our product and then used the results of those sales to cover our initial capital investment. So uh, we just had a really positive experience with uh, with the crowdfunding top to bottom. I think there's a lot of value there uh, for any entrepreneur who's really looking to bootstrap to get started bootstrapping. Yeah, it's so baller. And I, I know you guys actually put a lot of time and effort into that campaign. And I saw earlier you guys raised like $30,000 or something on it. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, we raised, uh, I think it was $33,000 in, uh, in 30 days, which we were very happy with. Uh, on uh, I believe 850 orders so uh, yeah it was it was a wildly positive experience it really got it gave us a real nice start uh, and paid for our initial inventory run and uh, you know there's also one of the one of the great things about uh, Kickstarter is it's something cool to write about as well you know it's not I'm launching a product it's I'm launching a campaign right and so it was really helpful for press coverage and uh, because it's a story when you're launching a campaign, right? It's one thing people put out products every day, but when you involve them in a process and a vision, then it, it, it engages you. Uh, I think the thing we took out of our crowdfunding experience is it's one thing to just set up a store and launch a product. It's a whole other thing to be like, hey, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. I have this campaign to do it. Now, who's coming with me? Yeah, and it's nice to have that chunk of cheddar cheese right there uh, to get things kickstarted with. And I know a lot of people that do these crowdfunding campaigns and they sort of fail at them because they think you could just go in there, throw it up on the website, and people are going to start giving you money. But in reality, I think that there's a lot that goes into this. You have to really plan. You have to really know the market. You have to know exactly what you're going to promote and who you're going to target with it. And so can you guys kind of take us through the steps of what you did uh, to get this crowdfunding campaign going for the people out there that might be thinking about starting one themselves? You know, What's some of the most important things that you need to know for doing this are sure yeah I, I can i think we could probably both go into tons of detail about about this because we really did um put in the time i think to really do the research and then execute on what we had found so we didn't just you know shoot the video and throw it up there there was actually a lot of effort that went in pre-launch so I, I would say the most important thing far and away the most important thing that's going to contribute to the success or failure of any crowdfunding campaign is being able to direct traffic or, or direct interested people to your project page uh, the day you go live. So, you know, it's if you just throw your project page up there, it's going to languish in obscurity. And so a lot of people don't realize that it, it takes more than a great idea to be successful on a crowdfunding campaign. It's really the project creator's responsibility to drive that initial traffic to the page and then, you know, if you're able to get success in the first 24 to 48 hours um, based on you driving people to your project page, 
that's how you are, are ultimately able to build momentum and then dip into the larger traffic that visits uh, a kickstarter.com. So you, you know, you're really responsible for creating your own momentum. And so a lot of work goes in pre launch to build a group of interested people, you know, whether that be a, you know, your personal network, or if you put together a landing page to um, attract uh, potential customers or build out a social media following or court bloggers. And, and we did all the above. Um, in doing that, I think it really ensures um, some level of success. And then, you know, things can take off from there. But, but at the very minimum, you really do need to, you know, drive your own initial momentum when you launch the product. Yeah. Now, now you guys are pumping me up to get a Kickstarter going, maybe make some uh, sweet little undies myself and, and compete with you or something. But uh, now I kind of have some leeway of uh, where to start with all this. Did you guys ever go back and like write down your process specifically for it? Uh, so there was a really useful article that we found on the Tim Ferriss blog uh, about this uh, water filtration company, Soma, that really outlined specific action items that we followed pretty closely in order to how to activate your networks in a practical way around a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, let me uh, let me try and pull that article up because I think it would be very helpful to uh, to your users here. Uh, but pretty much it outlined uh, specific steps that you could follow to essentially engage your your core network, right? The the people who will support you most actively and help you spread that, um, spread your message in your campaign through their networks as well. Uh, the power of social media, uh, I know this is nothing new, but it was really impressive to see exactly how quickly the word could spread about um, a campaign when you just really prepare, you know, take the time to ask your friends, ask your family, ask even acquaintances and people you knew from high school, just simple steps like liking some news coverage and, uh, and you know, and, and engaging um, in likes on Facebook. Uh, it creates a surround sound effect that really helps get your message spread throughout uh, not only your network, but your friends and your acquaintances' networks as well. So really coordinating uh, action between your core backers and letting that spread throughout their networks was really important. And uh, this uh, article, which is uh, how to raise $100,000 in 10 days on the four hour work week blog was really helpful in outlining those specific steps. I think it would be, uh, if anyone's interested in launching their own Kickstarter campaign, I would recommend Googling that article because it was really helpful to us. Yeah, and I would say, that, you know, if we were to do it, you know, do another Kickstarter, and, and I think we, we hope to at some point in the future here, the one thing that that um, article doesn't really get into is building a, a network of interested people beyond your personal contacts. So I think, um, you know, that's a great place to start. And, it, you know, everybody has friends and family and acquaintances that they can engage with to um, get a campaign um, started. I think kind of the next, you know, if you really want to achieve the next level of success, and I think we'd like to do this, you know, next time we, we um, attempt a crowdfunding campaign, is to try to build um, a list of interested people that's beyond your own network. And so I think creating... Um, innovative landing pages to you know, provide some sort of free or helpful content to people in, in exchange for their email address or in exchange for them liking a Facebook page 
is a powerful way to, to build an audience. And the larger, the larger that list is of interested people that you can direct to your Kickstarter page when you go live, I think ultimately is going to be reflected in the success of the campaign. One other thing that, that we should probably mention that was really helpful to Jeff and I, uh, when you're thinking product creation and in a Kickstarter campaign, it really helps to have a clearly defined target market. Like we knew exactly who our customer was and what was important to them and therefore where they would be in their online presence. So it was easy to tailor um, tailor our our message and our our uh, advertisements and the PR that we did specifically to our target market. And that really helped us drive traffic effectively as well. Yeah. And that's so exciting. I mean, to, to go from a point and then to accomplish something so great like that, it's amazing. And the feeling is always just amazing. Like I used to wake up every single day, you know, like just literally face down, pants down outside somewhere near a bush. And I had to go from being like that every single day uh, to turning my life around and sort of start creating these amazing things. I mean, we've all been there and we've all been down and we've all had our crazy days, which I love music festivals. I love having a drink with friends and everything still, but you know, I'm not so much into being <laughs> face down, pants down in the bushes uh, every single day in particular. I mean, sometimes oh, yeah. maybe still, you know, it's, it's still a good ride every once in a while, uh, but it has to feel pretty good knowing that you went from having this idea to creating this product. Uh, I mean, do you feel some kind of like amazing sense of accomplishment for doing this? I mean, everybody should get pumped up to try to do something like this themselves. I mean, what, what did it feel like when you saw that first revenue coming in? Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Uh, just in terms of seeing all of that business theory actually get implemented at once. It's easy to forget about just how long that process is along the way. And so much goes into uh, getting ready to launch a product that, you know, it's really important to kind of enjoy the successes, the small victories along the way. And it was like, after just having to constantly reframe and, and deal with setbacks and just assess all those small victories. It was like we just got a an avalanche of big victories all at once. And just seeing that pay off, especially when it's, you know, essentially the dream of working with one of your best friends to create a product that you want. And then seeing it all come together after what we put in, like six months, six months prep work, Jeff, something like that. Yeah, at least. yeah that's so yeah. amazing. Like, did you guys just get pumped up and like throw your speakeasies on and just like have a massive pizza party and like with 40s just like high five each other all night <laughs> i think it was more a, like a big sigh of relief than a, than a massive party moment but um <laughs> exactly yeah our first our first day i think we ended up in about 6200 in sales and it was just uh it was just such a relief to see that you know uh people there were people did like our product as much as we seem to like our product and that everything we kind of put into it was was worth the payoff so uh there was definitely that big sigh of relief but then you know once once the campaign was going it was uh kind of 30 days of craziness just trying to keep all that momentum going and uh and really uh capitalize on uh on the good start that we got so uh, yes, there was some celebrating, but it was uh, it was a lot of uh, 
a lot of work to, to be done still, and especially during those 30 days of the Kickstarter campaign. So, so you guys accomplished so much so early. You know, you put the effort in, which is awesome. Uh, but where do you guys see yourself going in the future? I mean, I know you have massive parties and, and drink 40s and give each other high fives and you wear these speakeasy briefs. Uh, but where where does this company look like it's headed? Are you going to get into developing more products? Because I could see uh, other t- similar type of products being uh, wanted by the same audience or the same consumers. We're definitely looking to expand our product lines. Uh, hopefully this will become a uh, lifestyle fashion brand. What we're also receptive to though is allowing our customers to create input about what they want as well. So we, uh, we plan on, uh, you know, continue, first, first things first, we want to really nail our core competency with this product, but we are definitely looking to expand into other products as well. Uh, we've been kicking around a few ideas. We're not quite ready to go public with them yet, but you will be hearing more from Speakeasy Briefs pretty soon. <laughs> so can I make a recommendation? Of course. Absolutely. A pair of speakeasies with Arnold Schwarzenegger's face on the floor. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm that serious. A little Gubbereezies? I can yeah, get down. Gubbereezies. <laughs> Could you imagine just like busting those out? I mean, even if somebody made you like pull your pants down to check there, they just see a giant <laughs> Arnold face and they'd be scared immediately and they'd let you through anyways. Yeah, it's uh, by far the best part about this whole process. It's just, you know, hearing, hearing fun ideas, hearing good ideas from creative people and uh, and then seeing, seeing what the next step is. Well, I think the next step is obviously making the Arnold uh, speakeasies, but moving away from that, do you guys think that it was harder to get this whole thing started or do you think it's harder to look at the future and to keep going? That's yeah. I mean, I think that's a very insightful question because it is, um, you know, every day is kind of a new opportunity and, and there's kind of setbacks along, you know, as you go. So I think kind of keeping, um, you know, both a, a day-to-day view, but kind of a more of a long-term view of things is, is a helpful way to, keep momentum going and, and stay focused um, because, yeah, I mean, I think you're right there, you know, for just as an example, you, you have the highs of the Kickstarter success and then you have to struggle through the fulfillment process and then you're almost relaunching a business again after you've kind of uh, wrapped up that process and you're transitioning more into a direct to consumer sales and then trying to scale that into, you know, there's kind of always that um, next hurdle and next challenge that, that you're uh, moving on to. So I think, I think, I'd almost, you know, go with the ladder there. Um, you know, once kind of the uh, the initial honeymoon phase of of starting something wears off, it, you know, that's I think really where the challenge lies is, is pressing forward and and staying focused after that. Absolutely, and just you know, to piggyback off off that with what Jeff just said, it's uh, one of the things I would I would recommend to anyone looking to get into this uh, is. Make sure that if you do have a business partner, uh, that they are someone who you really trust in communication are, are what, what keep you pushing through all the obstacles that, that come up. So Jeff and I have encountered plenty of obstacles since after the Kickstarter campaign as well. And really uh, being good friends and being effective communicators with one another is what has been instrumental to keeping us going and keeping us pushing through because there are going to be 50 different things that you never expected to happen that 
couldn't have even been predicted by the by proper planning, right? Like things just happen, and you got to be ready to tackle those. So effective communication, staying positive, firing yourself up, and firing your partner up, and being able to trust each other is is really how you you know you go you you keep things rolling after you know a huge high like a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. So if you get on your Kickstarter campaign, you guys have this amazing um, promo video where Dan, I think, is doing a little bit of comedy in it. Do you have a background there, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of years of stand up under my belt. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 a hilarious video. And I mean, it definitely made me laugh and it definitely appealed to me. And I could see it working so well with other people. Uh, also, you know, you're talking about protecting the Tommy gun and things like that, all the good goodies you can put down there in that pocket. But I mean, the video in general is put together so well. Yeah, we had a lot of fun uh, creating it and throwing ideas back and forth. And it was you know, certainly a huge learning curve for us to figure out, you know, how the heck to make a video and how to use Final Cut Pro and you know, edit it. We ended up making that whole thing in-house and it was really our first shot of ever making a video. So, you know, I think we probably could have sped things up if we'd outsourced that, but um, it's a good <laughs> skill set to have, I think, you know, to, to at least understand the process of, of making a promotional video and, and being able to make more in the future. Well, and I gotta, I gotta give big props to, uh, to Jeff on that one because uh, I, I do have a comedy background and I ended up writing the script for it, but neither of us knew how to edit a video. And, uh, you know, just pure entrepreneurial spirit. Jeff got on YouTube. He looked up uh, videos, training videos for how to edit using Final Cut Pro. And he edited the whole thing and did a beautiful job. So a lot of times we feel like we don't have the resources to necessarily execute our ideas. But there's so much information out there. Jeff didn't know how to edit a video. But he got on YouTube. He learned he learned that skill set in what, like maybe ten to fifteen hours of like hard, painful work. <laughs> and, uh, and he really, you know, that video wouldn't exist without him. So uh, it's just a good lesson about if you're, you know, just tenacity and and if you want to, if you have a vision and you want to execute it, the resources are probably out there. You just gotta kind of hustle and get creative. Yeah, I mean, there's so much opportunity out there if you just you know, get out of your shell and, and go out there and look and actually attack what you want to do with your life and be passionate about it. Uh, just, just quit being a baby, you know, at home, sitting on the couch in the dark, crying, sucking your thumb and pooping your pants. I mean, get on your computer, meet, go outside and meet somebody. I mean, there is so much opportunity right at our fingertips. Like our parents couldn't have done this back in the day. They didn't have the opportunity that we have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the barrier to entry to following your passion and, and being able to do it uh, as a job, I think have never been lower. So, you know, with that, with uh, the internet and, and being able to basically create a business from anywhere in the world and, and really having as much information as you could ever imagine at your fingertips, essentially for free, um, I think really kind of democratizes the world and, and gives everyone a chance to do that. Yeah. Break the rules, but first break the rulers. Absolutely. All right. So if, you guys could spend a little bit of time creating something with anybody from the past or the present. Who do you think it would be and what would you create? Man, uh, <laughs> uh, good question. Um, 
Plus, I would love to, uh, you know, I, I play the guitar, uh, certainly not um, great, but, you know, it's a great stress reliever for me and I enjoy it. I mean, I think it would be really interesting to see if you took one of the great classical musicians, like a Mozart, for example, and, um, you know, having a jam session with somebody like that using contemporary instruments, I think would be mind blowing. I, I would love to see something like that happen. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I, I, I did a little round on the guitar too, man. That sounds so awesome. What about you, Dan? Me, uh, my favorite comedian, just comedic actor is Will Ferrell. I, uh, I am a sucker for everything he does. And, uh, I, a personal dream, even though I guess I have all of all of humanity to to pick from. I would love to do something comedic, whether it's a scene or a movie or anything, with Will Ferrell because I just think he's the funniest guy in the world. Frank the Tank. So, <laughs> that's probably it for me. Yeah, could you imagine him wearing those? Oh yeah, we we might have to get a pair sent over to Frank the Tank. See what we can do. <laughs> Be so goofy. I bet he would love them though. Absolutely, absolutely. Can I can I flip that one on you? Can I, can I hear it? Is there is there one particular project you would embark on with anyone? Well, I like music a lot too, so I would probably embark on some kind of musical composition with Johnny Greenwood uh, from Radiohead because he looks like a freakishly skinny spider, but he's just insanely talented and he's created you know like twenty eight instruments or something yeah. by hand. Uh, but other than that, you know, maybe like put on a pair of speakeasies or like some little jean shorts and rollerblade across the United States at times, like in the nude. Ooh. <laughs> Just fist pump the whole way. A little something we call a vision right there. I'd buy a ticket. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like the movie Forrest Gump when he goes on that just mission to run across the United <laughs> States, basically, and he grows out that big beard, except dressed up like that dude from Reno 911, you know, in like the little shorts and like just cruising around town constantly. I don't know. Maybe that's too much. <laughs> it can never be too Reno 911. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And have you ever been to Reno? I mean, it is terrible. Like we went down there, like I flew into Tahoe and we decided just to take a cruise over there, you know, before we went down to Tahoe because we'd never been to Reno. You see nine, Reno 911, you're like, this place is amazing. We got to go check it out. Let's go down there, and it's like, if you combined all of the terrible cities in the United States, like in the 70s, like in their dingiest time, and just like put them all in one area with like all those people, that is pretty much what Reno is like. And if you're not buying crack, you better get the hell out of there, you know? <laughs> Reno. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's exactly like this show. I mean, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> in a related note to everyone who buys underwear at Reno, we're only kidding. Love you guys. Beautiful city, Reno. We love Reno. Reno is fantastic. We only make fun of it because we love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Reno, I cannot wait to come back and just hang out there forever. Um, I would love to move there. Beautiful city. Uh, love everybody who's listening from Reno. Uh, don't take offense to any of this. We are just kidding. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> away from Reno, if if you all had to battle Godzilla, how would you use your creativity or your talents or your speakeasies 
to defeat that big, ugly, smelly bastard? An excellent question. I've been thinking about it all day. Oh, yeah? It's funny you should ask. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, I think what it really comes down to is Godzilla looks like he is very, very allergic to peanuts. I mean, <laughs> peanut allergies are just going around left and right. The guy's already got horrible skin. I think I would throw a bunch of peanuts in there in the pocket and then hope hope that he is just very careful with what he consumes, right? So essentially, you got the peanuts on tap. He starts going at you. You're essentially invincible. Yeah. I think Godzilla would be very worried about, you know, Jeff and I being armed with some peanuts in our speakeasies. I feel like you're letting Godzilla get his face a little bit too close. You know, that could be kind How about of you, dangerous. Jeff? How else would you take Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think Dan's onto it. You guys are taking some serious risk Dude, that's, here. That's a supportive partner right there. We're pretty much going in. We're going all in on the 8% chance he's got a peanut out. <laughs> Otherwise, the city is in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the city and, and your junk is going down first. The speakeasies, unless you have like a bulletproof vest stuff down inside of those or something. True, that, that would be an epic fail. If nothing yeah, else, if, we'll get, a, yeah. we'll get if, a little more good content out of it. That's a viral video. Exactly. If, if Godzilla has a taste for peanuts, we're doubly in trouble. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We've just become a tasty snack. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> well, if you guys could give a little bit of advice to somebody, maybe like a little Dan or a little Jeff, uh, what do you think you would tell someone in your position 10 years ago? You know, what, what can they do today to get started on creating an amazing product like the Speakeasies? I would say, um, I'll, I'll jump in there first. I would say make a prototype and then ask somebody to buy that prototype. So I mean, I, you know, it's one thing to show people an idea or tell people an idea. And, um, you know, people want to be supportive and people like their friends and they, they'll say, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. Um, you know, they, they can kind of in their mind do some gymnastics and, and see how it's a good idea. But I, I don't think anything really beats asking someone to fork over some cold hard cash. And I think that's really where, where the rubber meets the road and you can kind of decide um, you know, let's go for this or, you know, let's not throw any more good time after bad and, and move on to the next idea. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Jeff nailed it there. And then I just say, be persistent. Uh, it's a lot more about hustle and tenacity than necessarily even the idea itself. You know, just keep hustling. If you're passionate about it, just keep doing it and, you know, be relentless. Yeah, get out there and hustle. Get off your ass. Quit being lazy. Do the jive. Do a little boogie woogie. Get funky, you know. Break the rules. First break the rulers. and Just get out there and, and be persistent about it because you're so right about that. I mean, just take a little step forward every single day and you will get to that point. It doesn't matter how slow you go as long as you're moving forward constantly. And it's such an amazing feeling when you get to the other side of the fence. So get out there and, and put your rollerblades on, put your speakeasies on, do something wacko. And I really enjoyed having you guys on the show today. I mean, it's been so, so awesome and so wildly entertaining. I love it. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, for thanks. Having thanks for having us. It was a blast. Yeah, I'll definitely have to have you back on in the future again when you create something uh, even more amazing and, and we can talk about that. But is there a way our listeners can get in contact with you or find a pair of speakeasies for themselves? Absolutely. Well, uh, you can find us at speakeasybriefs.com. That's our website. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you have any questions or suggestions, we, uh, we're happy to answer any emails at respectively Jeff at speakeasybriefs.com and Dan at speakeasybriefs.com. Uh, 
helping out other entrepreneurs, just swapping ideas. Uh, you know, it's it's too hard a thing to do to not help each other out. So whether it's supporting the product or you just want to talk entrepreneurship, Jeff and I are always happy to share our experiences and also learn from you guys. Yeah, I highly suggest everybody gets on there and checks that out. Their website is awesome. And once again, I'm, I'm just so pumped to have had you on the show. So everybody get out there, do something crazy, do something wacko, go knock on your neighbor's door with only your tube socks on, give them a high five, uh, freak them out a little bit, do something crazy every single day, get out there, create a product, put what you have into this world, what you are meant to be. And Jeff, Dan, thank you so much for being the Archerpreneurs now. And always remember to keep it funky. That was awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Archerpreneur now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.